Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We're on day two of the round of 32. We will, by the end of uh, this particular episode, we will be down to the Sweet 16 of the greatest album of the millennium so far bracket. Um, yesterday, we were adamant, long-winded, full of information, full of... Uh, Bile. Bile. When it came to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah, but hey, I, um, or, and, uh, yeah. but also, you know, I, I think there's, you know, we're getting to that, we're getting down to that point where these things matter a lot to us. And, um, with that said, um, let's jump right in and, and, um, you know, hit this, hit the, uh, second, the last two brackets of this, uh, round of, turn on, uh, turn on the bright lights and jump right in. Yeah, exactly. I think we're, uh, we're kicking off with the sound of silver against uh, coloring book. Oh, whoops. I was in the wrong bracket. You're right. Sorry. Um, So sound of silver versus coloring book, a chance the rapper's coloring book. Yeah. I mean, I think that chance the rapper look, you, a couple of pretty viable, um, contenders and albums here, but, uh, there's, really no question in my mind that that sound of silver should move on it's i I think one of the all-time perfect albums um chance is gonna be an even stronger contender after his next record comes out for yeah i agree i think chance is an early (laughs) early uh a little early in his career to go and up against sound of silver and wins yeah and the bright side he's managed to make himself a you know multi-platinum artist without a record label uh by the age of about 23 so um i'm I'm not too worried about his future (laughs) i too am voting for sound of silver i leave us with one open-ended question which is reluctantly and angrily voting wisdom over youth and selecting uh lcd sound system yeah my my open-ended question which i will leave you with because i am voting for sound of silver is is it president chance or president chance the rapper (laughs) i think president the rapper there you go
matchup uh, not going to be decided as quickly, I don't believe. Um, the Storm and Mormon versus the Man in the Woods. Yeah. Uh, hot fuss against For Emma forever ago. Exactly. Um, I mean, I can, I can rehash my, my Bonnie Vare argument. I think you guys might be a little more on the fence on this one. Um, you know, I, I love Hot Fuss, but to me, you know, Forever, for Emma, Forever Ago is, is just a perfect album, Comfort Food. <laughs> I think it's it's also a unique sound and and uh, a very intricate, like, interesting record. I mean, it's not your typical straight-ahead folk record either, um, which can be pretty boring. Um, it's definitely, you know, sung in a, a crazy falsetto. I think it's an album that crosses a lot of... A lot of people that like, you know, hardcore hip hop or like, um, or hip hop in general or like dance music or like folk music or like punk. I think this is an album that, you know, I'm sure there are haters out there, don't get me wrong, but I think for a lot of people, this is an album that crossed over into uh, everyone's kind of soul. It seeps uh, into your emotional record. core. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that and let you guys talk about the Mormons from the mall. I have a couple. I have a couple of points that I'd like to make, and then um, one is that um, I'm glad we're voting on these albums in particular because, as far as I'm concerned, Bonnie Vare's "For Emma Forever Ago" is a great album, and I really haven't liked anything else that he's done. Which is, you know, I w- again, um, you know, I won't go so far as to make the Father John Misty comparison, but I will say that, uh, you know, For Emma Forever Ago, to me, is an excellent, excellent album. Uh, I, you know, I would, I like every song on it, and I really have just never been hooked by anything, any of his later albums, which, and I was really hoping for a trajectory. I know there's plenty of people who would disagree with me on that. Um, and as far as the killers go, I think... Um, this album uh, certainly in the broader cultural spectrum had a huge, huge impact. Um, sneakily, I think uh, Bonnie Vera did as well. The thing about Hot Fuss is that the great songs are great. The other songs are not so great. And that's where I'm going to kick it over to you, Christian, for your opinion on these things. Um, I am I'm a pretty big Hot Fuss Fan actually beginning to end, um, and uh, Bonnie Vare. Um, you know, I, I don't have a strong case. I, th- I think for, for Emma Forever Ago is a, is a great album. It's a very sort of moody um, piece. Uh, not a um, not a big fan of the guy or the image or the story about the cabin in the woods. Um, none of that is I'm not sure. I don't really think he is either. I mean, it's just, it's none of it, yeah, none of it's particularly captivating or appealing in a way that, like, um, you know, uh, yesterday we talked about the, the Strokes and um, uh, the White Stripes as being people who really, you know, cultivated an image that, that was attractive. I, I just, um, you know, he's just some uh, weird, depressive mountain man, um, and that's uh, and that's just fine. Um, I, hot Fuss, you know what? I just I have to give it to guys because of the the un, the unbridled ambition of, yeah. of their music, um, and I, I love that they showed up so desperately wanting, like doing absolutely nothing to hide, uh, you know, to 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 hide that ambition. Um, and, Vegas. And, I mean, th- yeah, that's what happens. It's like when you grow up around show business, that like. But- it, 
you know, that embedded in it. It's like there's only, I mean, it is literally, it is like stadium tours or bust. Well, here's the, here's the one thing I will interject, and I just want to take your, actually really want, honestly want uh, both of your opinions on this, which is to me the killers um, had the sound, the songs, and the ambition to be a stadium band. I don't think any of the individual members have the charisma. Um, and that's a strange thing because I know, you know, Brandon Flowers, a front man, he's a good looking guy, likes to dress kind of outrageously, but he just never, like, there's something he's about a, it. He's that a never little f- bit of a dick, actually. Yeah, there's nothing um, about it that ever felt like fully natural or unhinged to me in the way that, no. like, Josh Homme looks like he owns the stage. Jack White owns the stage. Um, you know, some of these other guys, uh, some of these other folks, you know, are just you can't take your eyes off them. And frankly, I couldn't tell you which one of the killers to keep your eyes on. Yeah, I think that that's sort of true. I mean, I actually think that Brandon Flowers is a more charismatic guy than perhaps your description just now would, would suggest if, if somebody hadn't heard him before. I mean, um, I, I have a few friends who are massive killers fans, a cousin in particular who is, Die hard, um, and you know they they really love that guy. They think that he's got the the spark. Um, I think that from our perhaps punk inflected backgrounds or punk rooted backgrounds, uh, these guys aren't like bratty enough, um, or they're not troublemakers in a way that we would like them to be. Um, but you know, the Beatles weren't troublemakers. You know, um, my comp would be Bono or and, and, and on the flip side, you know, having seen Chris Martin from Coldplay, I could I could see the killers basically putting out an album that was considered one of their best eight years from now, by the way. I can I could see them making an all that you can't leave behind record because I just I think they're put together. They're relative. I mean, they're sober ish or whatever, you know, but they're not like they, they're, they're not going to burn out is my point. Um, I think they've got a lot of time left. Uh, and in any event, I think Hot Fuzz was a really, really strong sort of pop gem. Um, I frankly listened to it a hell of a lot more than I listened to Forema forever ago. All right, let's go to your vote. I'll go Killers. I'm going to go Bonnie Bear. I'm going to go Bonnie Bear as well. I, I think that's probably the right outcome, but but I think it's uh, it's it, it, I'm I'm pleased it was a split vote. Let's put it that way. Again, I'm I'm kind of psyched to to see somebody. I, I I'm I'm you know in the absence of uh, something I feel super emotional about. I'm just excited for a good game, and that was a good game.
next up? Hold steady, Separation Sunday, and Passion Pits Manners. Yeah, surprise. Uh, massively surprised. This is the UMBC of of uh, this particular tournament. Uh, Passion Pit, uh, lest I remind you, beat have we, Radiohead's Kid <laughs> A in the last... Have we, have we, I think we've already received hate mail that our producer may be um, protecting us from uh, about about Kid A's felling. Um, yeah, that's a... I mean, that was a, a very unexpected win for, for Passion Pit. Um and I think probably driven at least a little bit by the fact that uh, that in, in Rainbows had already made it through, and I think Jar and I are, are both of the view that it's an incredibly strong album. Um, this, this, but let is me, that, this is that one, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is that one in the actual tournament where, in, in this case, in this year's tournament, it's uh, it's Nevada, um, you know, playing playing uh, loyal Chicago for a trip to the the Elite Eight. I mean, this is that one where you're like, okay, I can't believe these two wound up head to head to go, you know, heading into the Sweet Sixteen, and I'm glad they're both there. So hold steady, Separation Sunday, Passion Pit Manners. This is not a particularly tough competition for me. Um, Separation Sunday is my favorite Hold Steady album. Uh, I think that. From the, I mean, literally from the opening lines, um, uh, he he just he draws you into this incredible story about like Catholic middle class teenagerdom in the Midwest um, that I am just you know it's I find riveting, um, and it's anybody who's ever uh, you know had a uh, you know beers standing outside around somebody's you know, car in the middle of the night in the summer, um, anywhere in America, uh, at the age of 17, like that's the, this is that album. Um, and you know, uh, it's, it's incredibly tight, um, from a narrative perspective, uh, the, the same characters, you know, uh, crop up throughout the, uh, throughout the album. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there are, again, we were talking earlier, um, about, and Boys and Girls in America, some of the best lines, um, you know, some of the best lines that, that he's ever written. And I think, you know, she she showed up in the ER drinking gin from a jam jar, and the nurses were joking about how the ER's like an after bar, um, is one of the most, like, wordiest mouthful, um, you know, should be clumsy, but in fact is perfect. Shocking uh, that it works. Yeah, exactly. This, um, is, this and, is Raymond Carver writing after school specials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just, um, and, you know, the, the opening line as well, she said never to trust me. She said that the first night that she met me. Um, I just, it's all of a sudden, it's like, all right, this is this is a, this is about love and trust and friendship and everything else, um, and everything else that, that feels so incredibly, uh, I, I just so, so exaggerated, um, as a teenager, you know, when, when you are, yeah, when you're, when you, when you are living in every moment and every feeling that you have is, is just, is just the last one you're ever going to be able to muster. And the first Um, time anyone's ever felt it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's really like somehow he's able to conjure all of this at the age of 30, um, and, and put it on, you know, incredibly vulnerable, uh, display. Um, it's just it's it's awesome. It's right, I love right. it. So want to vote or Jared? You want to? Yeah, I mean I don't have I don't have much to say. I mean I, I think 
I'm going to just go ahead and give my piece, but also uh, vote at the same time. So, I mean, I just think, you know, the Passion Pit album to me, I think I said it last round, is, is it was a surprise beating Kid A. I think it's a, a great, unique, fun dance pop album that nothing really sounded like it and nothing sounds like it and you can pop it on anywhere and it's a joy to listen to but um you know I, separation sunday is, is you know arguably my favorite hold steady album as well and i think an album that um you know just has it all as far as rock and lyrics go so i'm, I'm going hold steady i'm going hold steady as well the one thing i will i you know the one point i want to make about passion pits manners which i think is really interesting and that i haven't uh I thought about it. It's, it's, you know, it, it, you know, he chunk of change was was an EP he made in his dorm room or uh, apartment, and you know, again, uh, manners uh, was more of a full blown LP. But there's very few people that come from you know uh, indie rock that have as much influence on radio, like uh, conventional radio pop as I think uh, Passion Pit did. Uh, you know, fairly sneakily. Uh, in that period in the, in the I think that's right I mean whether it's the naked and famous or group love or um, you know there's there's a whole uh, yeah there, there's a um, oh, I think I think the massive think, wave of music that, yeah, that stemmed like out of this hard, you know I think your Katy Perry's and people were borrowing from Passion Pit interesting um, yeah I mean and, and often it's it's yeah I, I guess I could see that a little bit I, but I think there's a an even clear cut like uh people just cribbing off his notes you know it's mm-hmm. like um it, on a uh for, for about a decade there
glad to see the whole study move on. And uh, just to introduce the last matchup in this in this particular region, we have LCD Sound System's self-titled uh, album against the Meadowlands. Ready to so, vote? So uh, <laughs> I just got <laughs> to two just elder statesmen of of Indian yeah, rock. No the this next is, one's oh fuck. This is the. Um, <laughs> this I'm already the, looking forward to the next uh, round. How, of, do, how do you AARP? Um, this is a, uh, a matchup between um, a band whose song from this record, we did a three-part uh, dissection of versus um, friend of the podcast and guest uh, Charles Bissell, who... Um, who gets I, a 30-minute, like, uh, you know, period of reflection in almost every episode, so... Yeah. Uh, uh, or three-minute, at least. Um, do you guys want to vote, or do you... Um, I, I mean, I'm ready to vote on this one. Me too. You know, I think we've talked about LCD. I think we'll talk about one of these albums in the next round as well and get more in depth. Yeah, I mean, I, my feeling is that LCD's best uh, best stand um, has has yet to come. So, um, the Meadowlands is yeah, it's it's a perfect album. Um, that's gonna get my vote. I'm going my with. New Jersey and the Meadowlands. They're kind of both New Jersey. That is true. <laughs> that, that is, is true. true. Rock on. All right. So that bracket, done. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we take a break on. and jump into uh, the last one? We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and do the last bracket. Brother, brother, brother podcast. Uh, we are in region, or, or fourth region, I should say now of the round of uh, thirty-two. Um, and to kick this off, we've got a we've got a competition between Interpol's "Turn on the Bright Lights" and uh, "My Morning Jackets." It still moves. Um, I think I can just I'll I'll kick it off. Uh, "Turn on the Bright Lights" is po- possibly my favorite album ever. Um, so. Uh, that's certainly the the leading contender in that category. So, um, you know, I, I think they've got just an incredible mood, um, a sort of a, a melancholy, um, 
a, an aggression, but but not not particular, almost a passive aggression built into this album. But it, it so captures like the um, the sort of frustration and and sadness, like uh, in in musical form. I think that that um, you know just it, it's perfect. Um, every song is is as good as the last. Uh, there's there's not a weak moment, and it it's an odd. It, a little bit like, you know, the way we were talking about Bon Iver earlier, it's like this record just, I mean, it was a flash in the pan for these guys. Like they just hit, you know, they just hit on all cylinders once and then it, they couldn't quite ever get that chemistry back. And it didn't help that they didn't like each other all that much, but um, that was certainly, uh, certainly whatever, whatever perfectly calibrated tension and dynamic existed between all the different forces in that group. Uh, this was this was the you know the their best um, their best product. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, and I think likewise, it's my morning really jackets like <laughs> best product as well. I think it still moves as their best album. Um, you know, I think it's personally probably met its match here, going up against the number one number one seat. But I, I do think it it kind of incorporates all the things that they do best, which is. Big, loud, sort of, uh, you know, southern fried rock with a little bit of, dare I say, jamminess and a little bit of country and a little bit of, you know, um, just straight sort of rock and roll and pop. They have a great pop sensibility, too, so when they want to. And uh, I love It Still Moves, but I'm going to go with Interpol on this one. Yeah, I just want to, you know, make sure that It Still Moves gets its its due because, um, you know, there's... A, they have. They certainly have a passionate fan base. My morning jacket, and they've earned it uh, certainly through their live shows and their albums. But to me, this is their. Uh, you know, this is their best album, and I think this is a. You know, a perfect. Um, you know, uh, I think both of these albums um, have a. Uh, you know. It, it's uh, turn on the bright lights with its distance and iciness, and my morning jacket with its intimacy and sincerity. Um, but both bands can can rock and sort of pull off uh, sentimentality and balladry. Um, and so I think it's a really um, you know it's a it's a both of these albums deserve a lot of credit for that. My morning jackets it still moves. Um, has a couple big rockers, and it also has a couple of really intimate folk songs that are beautifully written uh, and sentimental, and I love it. Um, that said, Interpol's moving on.
our next one is uh, kind of a unique matchup here with Amy Winehouse's classic Back in Black. Back to Black, sorry, versus uh, the Postal Service's one-off uh, synth-pop techno masterpiece, Give Up. Any, uh, anyone want to jump in on this one? I'll, I'll jump in and, and very succinctly say that I think this is, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black is a classic um, in the sort of Frank Sinatra um, you know, will be listened to forever, and some of these songs. That we'll, I don't think take. I can name a single Frank Sinatra album. You uh, you can't. Um, can. Yeah, it's um, there are. It, it, to me, this is a, this is a almost a standards album, even though it's got a relatively updated um, uh, production uh, quality to it, um, courtesy of. Of Mark Ronson, um, but I don't think anybody delivered um, pain and um, regret in as convincing a manner as Amy Winehouse, and I mean that actually forever. I really find that um, she was as good as anybody ever has been at, you know, a sort of not. Uh, self-knowledge that is self-loathing but also justifying um, I think she got across so many emotions with her vocal that um, and then you just you, you part you know sort of partner that with uh, songs that are you know relatively timeless I don't think these songs and other people in someone else's hands are a memorable album I think she's that singular of a talent um, and I think this is probably one of, um, you know, one of the real classics of the, of the millennium so far. So that is my very, uh, that's as brief as I'm going to be about Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. God rest her. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Give Up has like, yeah, 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 as for me, the best song out of these two matchups with such great heights but I think every other song that is probably goes to Amy Winehouse. So I'm uh, I'm gonna jump in for Amy. Amy. Me too. Uh, wow. A clean sweep for Amy Winehouse. Cleanest thing she's ever done. Um, <laughs> she's not here to enjoy it. I know. And I would love to have heard her cover of uh, Such Great Heights, wouldn't you? It would be great.
next up, Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake and It's Morning versus Libertines, Up the Bracket. Yeah, this is kind of a power mismatch. You've got a, uh, a rough, dirty group of Englishmen versus a uh, Pacifist. Midwestern, yeah, soft, uh, spoken, you know, uh, emo lyricist and bright eyes, Connor no, Roberts, but No shortage of self-loathing, though. Uh, yeah, even no. If it's expressed in different ways. I, um, I mean, I love Libertines up the brackets. I'll... Uh, I'll give a shout out for Bright Eyes because I sort of have a feeling I know which which way this one is going to go. But um, you know, I, I just think I'm a wide awake. Is is you know he he's sort of morphed into this sound of of kind of Americana and 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 kind of folky a little bit a little bit country tinge stuff. Prior obviously was you know a, a huge influence on a, an age group younger than than me at the time where I kind of got into him. Um, I really like this album. I think it's really timely for uh, its sort of um, observations on the Iraq war that was going on at the time in in a non-kind of self-righteous, annoying, preachy way. And I also think it has some of his best kind of introspective songs, um, Lua being one of my all-time favorites and uh, first day of my life. I can't say I turned to Bright Eyes for my Iraq War analysis, but um, I did like this album a lot. I obviously uh, voted for it in the last round. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his best uh, his best album, and I'm not sure it's the one that should have been on here. I, I'm a big proponent of Lifted um, because I think that it, it captures his dynamism as a sort of songwriter, which, which you know, veers around from, from like, sort of tight folk country songs to um uh to pop medleys to sort of brooding um sort of even more electronic songs um he he really does have a lot of versatility as a songwriter and you know that's been evident since he was about 14 um in that like uh, the alex g comparison is is um i think a, 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 a like an illustrative one um precisely because it's a guy who uh, is so good at this stuff and, and appears to sort of write. It seems so effortless. He, exactly, that's literally the word you took it out of my mouth. That he writes so effortlessly that he doesn't ever really stay still. Um, and this is probably the closest thing you have that he's put out that's sort of a coherent, like, album that, that in a single style. Um, I think, he, I guess he also did it with Digital Ash and a Digital Urn, but it wasn't a particularly good album. That wasn't that um, good, yeah. You know, if he could, if he could hang together uh, and really focus on one genre or area or issue, you know, he might be able to, to just blow people out of the water. But I think that part of his greatness is the way that he's able to sort of move back and forth, uh, you know, across genres. Um, that said, I'm not sure that it, it sets you up to win this tournament. Um, and so yeah. uh, I think the, the cards are stacked against him, you know, uh, up the bracket gets my vote. Yeah, up the bracket gets my vote. And it uh, all I can say about up the bracket is go listen to it again. I listened to it last night and, you know, that album just make like the the sheer. uh it's not brattiness that I'm trying to put my finger on, but the it's sheer the, it's uh, the, it's sloppy, it's, but it's or, it's I, disorganized. Um, it's it's controlled mayhem, yeah. and it's just bursting over the edges. And I love it so much because it is defiant. 
it's resigned. It's got like this weird range of emotions, but what it has in, in spades is attitude. And um, this was, you know, this is as awesome of a rock and roll record as I, you know, has been made certainly on this, in this millennium, um, just in terms of snarl and wordplay and all the things that uh, I, I dig in a band. That said, Bright Eyes, I think, is phenomenal. Um, the uh, songwriting is great. And this album, I will, in uh, just to counter uh, slightly your argument about Lifted, which I loved and listened to for years and years, I find I've reached an age where I'm wide awake and it's morning, um, is more relevant um, in terms of, I, I sometimes can have a little bit of um, uh, difficulty now listening to Lifted just because it's so... It's a little pouty. Pouty. Thank you. That's a perfect word for it. Anyway, not to diminish that guy's talent. He's phenomenal. No, he, he's and just I, I pouty. Just <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's part of his... Yeah. You know, it's funny, though. He has actually, I think, matured into a sort of um, elder statesman of, like, good songwriting in indie. Uh, and people do turn to him as a, as a sort of... Um, a, a critical force now as well, I think. So it's it'll be his. Yeah. He's got a long hell. He's only a few years older than than I am. He's got a really long career ahead of him. So I agree. I agree. He's a smart fucker. matchup of the entire round of 32 and it's the uh, it's a you know, slugfest white stripes white blood cells versus Kanye West's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy Kanye West like this album feels like rap's version of like cubism or um, you know some incredibly revolutionary like visual art sort of like 90 degree turn uh, Quantalism or cubism or or whatever it is um, that just sort of re-envisions what the genre is going to be capable of. Um, it's so huge. It's so yeah, it's almost... ambitious and big and unapologetic about how expansive. Uh, you know, it could have been a fucking disaster, by the way. Like, I think it's really, really important to keep in mind that it, this... It could have been <laughs> Beef Here Now by Oasis. It could, could have been, been Tusk. Thing, but, <laughs> yeah, which I could love. could have been any of Pink Floyd's records. Is, 
here is all the money in the world and all the time in the world and all the equipment in the world. There it yeah, is. It could have been <laughs> Smile by the no, Beach Boys. he of all people managed to corral that. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, like he managed to chisel some beautiful thing out of like this completely large, shapeless block of, oh, the entire history of music. Um, yeah, it, de- it defies so many con- conventions of, and I mean, hip hop conventions are running thin at the moment because, you know, there have been a lot of iconoclasts, a lot of people who have broken uh, the rules and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, this is, th- this, this doesn't feel like a hip hop album. This feels like, like, uh, you know, I don't know what the fuck it feels like. It feels but like the guy has 10 minute songs on here, you know, that are songs. No, it, it, it has like the, it, it also has the quality of somebody who's a, a true like virtuoso in the studio. I mean, in the same way that like songs in the key of life maybe, um, is just so huge and ambitious and incorporates so much, like such a broad spectrum of, of instruments and, um, sounds. And, uh, it's just, it's a guy who like, who knows a studio inside and out and wants to use and wants to wring every bit of value out of every piece of machinery he's got. I mean, the history of rock is, the history of popular music in America is riddled with the detritus of what happens when somebody has a major success and then is given everything they want to follow it up and i mean obviously with you know we just referenced tusk and um you know uh, some of the other uh you know more infamous um you know 20 pounds of cocaine on the console and six years uh um you know to uh you know to put out chinese democracy kind of thing or 40 years in that case but um you know this was I think you nailed it with Songs in the Key of Life, where this is somebody who was given the keys to the kingdom and the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. So, I mean, I, you know, this... Look, we should be we should be talking about white blood cells because I think that's the one that we're this is this might be our last chance. Um, what a weird contrast in styles, though. I mean, everything Jack White did, and Jack White is another virtuoso genius musician whose entire mo was see what I can do. This is what this is what I can do with one hand tied. Oh, both hands tied behind. Oh, both hands and one leg tied behind my back. You know what I mean? Everything is about restraint with that guy or degree of difficulty where everything about Kanye is excessive and, you yeah, know, they're both I think white geniuses. Blood Cells is the great example of that for the White Stripes. It, it kind of took the caveman approach and, and, you know, and I mean that as a compliment. It, it wasn't like, you know, no, as much as I love the Ramones, a one, two, three, three chord thing. It was very, you know, intricate and, and complicated but it it really just scaled it down to like you know basically like you know man creating fire like this is drums and guitar and this is how big you can make it sound and and it's a very lo-fi hi-fi album at the same time you know very like you know just like I said before I think in the last round I, I got to see them very early and I just thought they were doing like insane covers that I'd never heard of you know like Flaming Groovies covers or you know I had no idea what that like yeah, who the hell these guys who, who are they the sound was just huge and it was a two piece and it was you know he obviously is is you know back and forth and switching these homemade guitars and these you know and just like uh, it was incredible so I mean 
total contrast to, to Kanye's, you know, epic sort of sonic masterpiece. And I think both albums definitely deserve to be on this list. And it's, it's just a shame that they had to go up against each other so early. I also say, I also think, you know, going back to the Way Stripes Live and, you know, Kanye, who I've never seen live, but I uh, certainly, um, you know, his media presence, um, uh, you know, obviously answers the question of his uh, charisma. But, you know, I seeing uh, Jack White early on, like you did, like, I couldn't believe that guy when I saw him live. I was just like, I couldn't really articulate what it was and it is what it is is charisma and magnetism i mean a lot of people play guitars this guy owns a stage you know this guy just can't you can't take your eyes off him yeah and And the the one other thing i'd say that in in favor of this is is that um you know i think it reflects his maturity and sort of growth as a songwriter too i mean he um certainly like it it sort of felt like he had I, i love to steal and i actually think it's I don't know. It, it might too. be my favorite. Um, it's probably the one I turn back to the most. Um, but I, you know, that's that's almost a little bit more canonical blues. Um, this is like, I mean, you know, how many garage rock bands would would name a song? I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman. Um, it like, you know, it just there's there's a weirdness about it. Hotel that, like, that, just that started to come through. Yeah. I mean, then songs. then again, I, I think the the ultimate culmination um, for them is is an elephant. Um, so, uh, well, shall we vote on the last matchup here? It's a bad day for the stripes, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go Kanye. Uh, so. Kanye. Kanye. All right, oh, well, with that, each folks. Matchup in this bracket, by the way, was a sweep, which is odd for us. So. This is going to be an absolutely miserable yeah. Sweet 16. So um, I'm going to go. The, the next round in this bracket is going to be a. Yeah, I'm going to go take an ice bath and. Uh, yeah. Get ready for yeah. Hit, hit the showers. All right. Well. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go take some more PEDs, <laughs> and uh, I will, uh, which are not obviously enhancing my performance, but. Um, I will talk to y'all soon. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll be back with the Sweet 16. Later. Thanks, guys. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking. I just count the hours. Stop tripping. I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the schools closed, the prisons open. We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker. We rolling, huh? Motherfucker, we rolling with some light skinned girls and some heavy rollers. And this white man world, we the ones chosen. So good night, cool world. I see you in the morning, huh? I see you in the morning. This is way too much. I need a moment. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking. I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. 
Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.